Good morning, everyone. We're in John's Gospel, as you well know. And uh, we've already looked at the first three revelations given to women in this Gospel. Today, I would like to commence a consideration of the last three in reverse order before culminating our study in chapter 11, which I believe is the central and climactic one. But I hope you'll forgive me, because what I have to say this morning might take a little longer than usual, but I trust that it will be worthwhile. We're in chapter 20, verses 11 to 18. The disciples, Peter and John, went away again unto their own home, but Mary stood without at the sepulchre weeping, And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulchre and saw two angels in white sitting, the one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. And they said unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? She said unto them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing, and knew not that it was Jesus. Jesus said unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said unto him, Sir, if thou hast borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said unto her, Mary. She turned herself, and said unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. Jesus said unto her, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my father. But go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my father and your father, and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord, and that he had spoken these things unto her. Now before we get into the text, there are dreadful stories that have been written and circulated about the Lord Jesus and Mary Magdalene. They're blasphemous, wicked, and the product of evil men's minds under satanic control. They're evil in the extreme, have no basis of truth in them, and will utterly perish with their advocates. Neither is there anything in Scripture to indicate that she had been a woman of the streets. What is said of her is that she had been delivered from seven demons by the Lord Jesus. As a result, this dear godly woman became a faithful follower of his, along with others. And what scripture adds is this, that she and they all ministered unto him of their material substance. Can I stop here for a moment and say, dear fellow Christians, what are you and I doing with the material substance, so to say, that we've had committed to our trust? You have a home? Is it used in his service? Or is it a no-go area reserved for you and yours? You have money? Is it used to alleviate the need of others? Or is it your attitude one of, I've earned it and it's mine? I need financial security. Who knows what the future holds? I need insurance against what might happen. You have a vehicle. Is it used to visit lonely people and bring needy ones to your home or take them out for a ride? I've even heard of churches that have tens of thousands of pounds invested in the bank, money given by its members for the work of God. Don't we expect God to provide for what we call the unexpected? Do we really have to have an insurance? Well, I I know we do legally, but you know what I mean. 
Here was a woman who so loved her Lord for what he had done for her that she not only gave her heart, she gave him her material substance that he had given her. Because we need to remember that God is the one uh, from whose hand every good gift comes. I've digressed, but perhaps justifiably, as it may be, we are living such a selfish and self-centred life that if we're honest, there's not much difference between us and those that don't know God at all. However, returning to chapter 20, let's see the genuine love and devotion of this dear follower of Christ. The earlier verses that we didn't read tell us that before dawn on that Sunday morning, she came to the tomb and and found the stone had been taken away and the tomb was empty. So she runs and tells the disciples, Peter and John, and they race to see what she'd spoken of. They found an empty tomb, grave clothes lying and the napkin that had been wrapped about his head in a place by itself. Can I just say, in other words, the Lord Jesus arose out of or through the grave clothes and napkin and they simply collapsed and lay where they fell. This is true of the stone as well. The stone was rolled away not to let the Lord out, but to let those disciples and Mary in. And of course this was proved later on in the chapter when he entered through a locked and bolted door into a room where the disciples were gathered for fear. You see, he had now a resurrection body of glory that was a real body but unrestricted by earth's boundaries and limits, just like we will have when he comes to take us home to heaven. What a blessed day that will be. Anyway, the two disciples went home and missed what was about to happen. And it's interesting to notice, of course, John is the writer of this gospel. So in a sense, he's, uh, he's speaking against himself. And we should always be honest about those things. They believed what Mary had told them, that the stone was rolled away and that he wasn't there. But the scripture says they knew not the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. The Lord Jesus had told them several times, but they clearly hadn't been listening. And they certainly hadn't expected that what he had said about rising again on the third day uh, was actually going to happen. So instead of seeking him, they left the tomb and went back home. As a result, they missed the two angels who spoke to Mary They missed the revelation of the resurrected Jesus himself on that occasion. And they missed the unveiling of the amazing truth that he revealed to Mary that we'll speak about uh, in a moment. Can I stop here for a moment again and remind myself and you, dear Christian listeners, that perhaps we are missing amazing experiences of the Lord and his interventions in our lives personally and in our churches. Why? Possibly because we think that because we've heard and know the scriptures, that's enough. However, what is missing is perhaps an expectation of what the Lord has promised, that it will actually happen and become a blessed reality. Claiming his promises, in other words, and expecting to see them. A bit like the believers in the book of Acts, praying for the deliverance of Peter 
And when he knocked on the door, they were uh, they they thought it must have been an apparition. They thought it must have been a spirit. When God actually answered their prayers. Well, our lovely Mary Magdalene was going nowhere. This is where her Lord had been buried. The stone had been removed. The tomb was empty, and she remained there weeping, which, of course, was an evidence of her love for her Lord. If we had as much love for the Lord Jesus and desire to see him and know his presence as we have knowledge of our Bibles, perhaps we would have more experiences of himself and divine interventions in our personal and collective lives. What a challenge that that is. Her total love and devotion was rewarded in that he wipes away her tears, as he will in a coming day, with just one word, Mary. As we'll see later on in our studies, it was the calling by name of Lazarus that wiped away the Bethany tears. And one day soon, he's coming to call me by name, because I belong to him, and I shall go to be forever with him. What about you? Will he call your name on that day? Then comes the revelation of this absolutely wonderful truth that those of us who have believed on him are linked eternally with him in this relationship with, as he says, my father and your father, my God and your God, all as a result of his death, burial and glorious resurrection this new creation into which all true believers enter. So this morning, let's bask in the sunshine of this most wonderful and beautiful truth uh, that this old hymn helps us to appreciate. A mind at perfect peace with God. Oh, what a word is this. A sinner reconciled through blood. This This indeed is peace. By nature and by practice far, how very far from God. Yet now by grace brought nigh to him through faith in Jesus' blood. So near, so very near to God, I cannot nearer be. For in the person of his Son I am as near as he. So dear, so very dear to God, more dear I cannot be. The love wherewith he loves the Son, such is his love to me. Why should I ever careful be, since such a God is mine? He watches o'er me night and day and tells me, mine is thine. May God bless his word to you this morning.